Thanks for checking out The Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week. Hey, God is doing some amazing things. Have you enjoyed these bizarre stories? They've been fun, a little crazy. You're like, I, I've been at the cabin, man. I, I missed it. Well, you can check out the podcast. We've, we've hit some very, very interesting stories. We talked about, you know, Jesus cursing the fig tree. We talked about, you know, King David was asked to bring 200 foreskins as a dowry to the king. I mean, it's just, you know, like we don't preach that kind of stuff in church, right? And uh, today what I want to do is I want to continue in what God did last week. We really said Jesus wants confession, and we ended last week uh, with an altar call, we don't normally do at the Bridge Church. And many people just said, I just want to, um, you know, confess. I want to get in here. I want to make my life right with Jesus. And that's why we're here. That's why uh, we do what we do at the Bridge Church. We want to be a life-giving church, and we want to be a support to this community. We want to see God show up and want to see God show off, all right? And so we want to be that life-giving force. And the greatest life-giving force is the power of the Holy Spirit within this community. And so uh, I'm excited. We've looked at Jesus wants to be the center. We looked at Jesus wants covenant, and that's just he wants to do life with us each and every day. Jesus wants confession last week. And so there's a ton of great, crazy things in Scripture. If you've read the Bible, you know some of it is just like off the wall. Some of it we read. How many have ever done this where you've read a part of Scripture, and you read through maybe a verse or a chapter, and you're like, I have no idea what I just read. Just the pastor. Okay. No, I, like you read it and you're like, what is that? What does that mean? And sometimes it's so hard to interpret because we're so disconnected by a few thousand years. We're going, what, what does that really, what does that really mean? You know, so we send some guy to Bible school so he can learn exactly what it means. Well, I, I hate to break it to you, but if you have Google, you can do just what I do. You can, I mean, you can learn so much today. It's awesome. Let me share this. Uh, this is a story of a new pastor and he was visiting the homes of his new parishioners. And so at one house, it seemed obvious that someone was home, but there was no answer. And he just repeatedly knocked over and over. Um, and so what he did is he took out a business card, and he wrote on the back of his business card, Revelation 3.20. And on the, he actually wrote on the back of it, and he stuck it on the door. And then that next Sunday, when the offering was being processed, he found his card had been returned in the offering basket. And so he grabbed it, and he went to, you know, check, and... On the opposite side, it said Genesis 3.10. Well, if you don't know, um, reaching for his Bible, he went to check out this citation. His, his Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Fair enough. Genesis 3.10, if you don't know, it says this. I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, for I was naked. <laughs> We're taking Scripture a little out of context. There, but there's some fun stuff in Scripture, Okay. The Bible is not boring at all. And so what I want to do today, I'm going to talk about a scripture that you're going to go, that is the craziest thing. After today, you might say aliens exist. I don't know, okay, but you'll have to decide that. That's not what I'm preaching. But I want to preach today. I want to teach a message that Jesus, he wants commitment. How many of you are married? How many of you would say you are committed to your spouse? It's like half of us. No, I'm kidding. That's all right. How many of you would say to your wife, you'd go up to her and you'd have this conversation, honey, I am committed to you 85%. You're going to get slapped by me and her. Oh, no. All right, so 
Here's the deal. Jesus wants commitment. He wants the whole thing, not just a part of it, but he wants all of it. Where are my fishermen and fisherwomen at? Come on, man. It's been a long time since I've shared a fishing story. I missed it on sabbatical. I love fishing. And so here's the deal. We got ice fishing is around the corner. I'm sorry. And so some of you are excited about that. Some of you are like, I'm moving away. And we have ice fishing coming up. Picture this. So I don't have a truck. I don't have a 4x4 vehicle. I have a Toyota Sienna 2004, okay? And so in ice fishing, you have to commit. Like, am I going to go on the lake and am I going to try it or am I not going to do it? And it's really easy if there's a road plowed out on the ice for you to drive your vehicle on. Well, I was up north by myself, this little secret hole lake for big walleyes, and I'm looking down at this 50-foot basically drop-off onto the lake with big ice heaves, like we get up on Mille Lacs, and big, huge um, snow banks, and I'm going, I've got a choice to make. Either, I, either I'm fully committed to this, or I'm smart, and I go back home. <laughs> Come on, you know what I did. <laughs> so I just got in, and, and I went for it, and I get to the bottom, and about that time where I'm like, I'm fully committed to this, I realized this was not the greatest idea. And so I tried to slam on the brakes. Well, guess what happens when you're on a cliff made of ice? It doesn't work, you know? So I just, I slid right onto the, right onto the lake, and I am like, now I'm on the lake, and if you've been in snowbanks, what do you do? You don't stop, right? You gotta keep going, especially if you have two-wheel drive, alright? And so I'm going through these like two, three, four-foot snowbanks, and finally I get to my spot, and I fish. Well, I knew eventually I was committed. I was there. I had to do this. Eventually I had to get back up. All right, so I'm going, and this teenage—I I, couldn't—I couldn't move like ten feet. Car got stuck in this big snowbank. I took out the the place or the, you know, the floor mats. I put them underneath the tires, and I'm just spinning them to get any traction. I can't get enough traction to go anywhere. And finally, this teenage guy with a big, you know, 350 comes by and said, "Hey, man, can you help?" He's like. I knew you were going to need help. I saw you out here for the last couple of hours. I'm like, thanks, man. And so he drug me back out. But here's the deal. Moral of the story is, I would do it again. Okay? Like, this is how important fishing is. If you're committed to a lake that you're going to fish, you fish it, right? Okay? All right, so here's the deal. Jesus wants commitment. He wants commitment more than maybe we've ever thought about. And it doesn't have to be weird, yet the scripture we're going to share this morning is a little crazy. And so I want you to buckle up. I want you to hold on. If you have a Bible, I want you to open up to the book of Ezekiel. All right, you're like, that's in the Bible? Yeah. All right, so in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 1. Now to give you just a little bit of history, and we'll unpack this a little bit, Ezekiel is a prophet. There are a lot of books within the Bible that are called prophetic books. And these are books where people see visions or dreams. And sometimes we read them and we go, dude, I don't even know what you just said. I don't know what I read. But we want to unpack that this morning. I want to unpack that with you of what was it that Ezekiel was really sharing? What was Ezekiel's heart? What was he trying to communicate, you know, back then? And for us to even read this a few thousand years later, basically about 2,700 years later. And so here we go. Ezekiel chapter 1, we'll toss it on the screen if you don't have it, verses 15 through 21. You ready? Say yes if you're ready. All right. As I looked at the living creatures, now gotta remember, this is a vision, okay? So this is not like actual, he didn't, this wasn't like they were there. This was a vision he saw. As I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. Just picture, this is crazy. They sparkled like topaz and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made like a wheel 
intersecting a wheel. My mind's just already like, what? As they moved, they would go in any one of the four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not change direction as the creatures went. Their rims were high and awesome, and all four rims were full of eyes all around. Dude, I'm waking up from that nightmare, okay? When the living creatures moved, the wheels beside them moved, and when the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go, and the wheels would rise along with them because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When the creatures moved, they also moved. When the creatures stood still, they also stood still. And when the creatures rose from the ground, the wheels rose along with them because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. We need to read that again. Right? Isn't that one of those stories? You're like, what in the world? What's going on here? What's going on? You know, this is one of those scriptures we read over and over again. And sometimes I just try to picture it. If you Google this sometimes, and it's really cool to see the depiction that people have made of what this actually looks like or what they think this this vision looks like. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean for us? Okay, so let's unpack this a little bit. It's this fascinating description of things in the heavenly realm. That's really what's taking place. If you go back to the beginning of Ezekiel, verse 1, it says that he saw visions of God raging fire with great brightness. There was four cherubim, or angels, with four faces on each side. And so either Ezekiel's a prophet for God or he had really bad pizza the night before he had this vision. It's your choice. Okay, I believe he's a prophet of God. I believe he saw this. I believe there's a reason. And basically, God was calling him to see this vision For the people of that day, God was using somebody that didn't think they were usable. God was utilizing somebody that didn't think they were to be utilized. In verse 18, it talks about how there were these huge wheels with eyes all the way around them. And there's two things here. First is this. is the only thing we know. You can read scholar upon scholar, and there's all these guesses to what it means. What I want to do today is I want to offer you to really the foundation of what we know that we know that we know. You can, we can look at doctrine, we can look at theory, we can look at theology, we can, we can study it out and we could go, what does this actually, actually mean for us? Okay, and so there's a couple things. First is this. Verse 18, eyes all around the wheels. It's really a representation or symbolism that God is everywhere. He's always aware of every direction. He's always aware of every event in our life. He knows it. Okay? Everything in our life, he already knows. The second thing is this. In verse 18, it said that these wheels were awesome or large. They were incredibly big. We don't know how big, but it's to demonstrate the greatness of God. And so here's what we know about Ezekiel. Really not a lot. There's, he's one of the prophets that we really don't know much about. He's kind of a mysterious character within the Bible that we're trying to go, all right, Ezekiel, what, what are you all about? What makes you tick? And there's not a ton in there. There's a lot of guesses. Here's all we know for sure. That he lived in Babylon, 593 B.C., along with the Israelites, who were carried into captivity. So we talked about King David. We talked about before King David, the judges. This is way after that. Okay, This is basically 407 years before Christ shows up. So this is what, chronologically, this is one of the last prophetic words that we read in the Old Testament before Jesus comes and is, you know, God with, with skin on, you know, around BC. Well, 
He sees this vision. And maybe you've heard the word vision before, maybe not. We use this term vision just to explain what is it that he saw. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a lot of visions. We see Jacob, he sees this uh, vision of angels ascending and descending upon a ladder. You ever seen that toy, Jacob's Ladder? You ever have one of those? That's where we get that toy from. Jacob saw this. It was a vision. Or we see Isaiah says he saw God on his throne high and lifted up. This was a vision that God gave Isaiah to really understand the majestic premise of who God really is. And so this vision for Ezekiel, this is one of those visions that would like, it would smack you in the face. It would wake you up. Could you imagine you get home this afternoon and you're watching the Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium for the first time around noon today and God starts speaking to you some crazy vision with all these mysterious looking heavenly creatures, what would you do? Would you be like, no, God, I just want to watch football, you know? <laughs> Not be like, whoa, what's happening? You know, Lord, are you speaking to me? This is crazy. I've never had this happen before. And Ezekiel commits to God. He listens. This gets his attention. It's basically God getting the prophet's attention for the sake of the Israelites, the sake of his people. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 28, just a few verses down from what we read, it said when he saw this vision, all of chapter 1, not just the wheels, but these creatures he saw with the four different faces, he said, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. Now it wasn't like he, he couldn't stand up, but he got in the premise, he got in a place of humility. He fell down before God. He's like, God, you're all powerful. Okay, so I encourage you this afternoon, we're watching the Vikings, you know, okay, if God starts speaking to you, God, get down, Lord, speak to me. We'd be on our faces just like he was. When we see God for who he really is, the response needs to be humility. And then you say, God, you know, it's like Wayne's world. We're not worthy. Okay? We're not worthy. But this attitude of humility. Lord, you are so great and so powerful. And I'm here under your authority. You know, have you ever fallen down before God before? You know, have you ever realized how great he is and how small we are? Or have you ever come to terms with the awareness of how much you need him and how little he needs us? I mean, really, honestly, have you ever taken the, the posture of humility before our all-inspiring God? It's, it's worth remembering this. Here's, here's what's really cool. The root word of humility is hummus or humus, okay? It actually means dirt or it means soil. And so to humble, humble ourselves before God it doesn't mean like we become dirt or soil, but rather it means we get down in the dirt. We get down in the soil. We recognize our place, and at our place before a holy God is I was prostrate before him. It's I was on the ground. It's I was before him. It's I was down. You see, God called Ezekiel. Here's what's really cool. God called Ezekiel son of man, or in some translations, son of dust, because he was that humble. He got down to listen to this incredible vision that God wanted to unpack with him. And here's what Ezekiel heard. If you're with me, say yeah. All right, here we go. So here's what Ezekiel heard, and this is where it comes to reality for us today. How do we bridge the gap? What does this mean for us today? Number one is this. God told him to stand up. He said, stand up. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. He said to me, son of man or son of dust, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. Imagine that's us. If God said... To you, I'm going to speak to you. What do you do? All right, God. I'm, it's basically a sign of getting our attention. You know, to like, okay, I'm ready, Lord. What are the orders? What are you going to tell me? I'm ready. I just want you to download it in me. I'm ready to receive. And that was his attitude. That was his posture. 
Okay, he was a person of humility, son of dust, but when God said, stand up, he got up and he stood and he said, all right, Lord, I'm ready to receive the orders for whatever it is that you want to speak to me. I'm ready. Are we in that posture? Are we in that posture today? Are we, man, are, are, I know our life gets so crazy. It gets so busy. I know we got sports going on. I know we got school getting up. We, you know, try to get to church. We want to have fun. We got the state fair only for a few more days. We got all this going on. But in that, do we give God that time to go, all right, God, if you say stand up, I will. Do we give him that time? God was yelling at Ezekiel, attention! He wanted Ezekiel to be fully alert and ready to receive marching orders. Number two, listen up. Now I have to tell you, my wife and I, we do things differently, okay? For me, I have to stop everything and just listen to her. Otherwise, I can't multitask. Come on, guys, who's with me? Come on, guys, you know you can't multitask just like me. She can do like 8 million things at once. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm doing everything. And she can listen at the same time. I don't have that gift. I just don't. Okay, it's either unload the dishwasher or listen to my wife. It's not both. I can't do it. And so right here, he says, listen up. Ezekiel 2, verse 2. He says, and I listened to the one who was speaking to me. Listened. He listened. You know, when we first got married, I would stand there with my wife and uh, we lived in our little, little double-wide trailer. And uh, she remembers this. She'd get home. And my wife, man, has twice the amount of words to share than I have. Okay? Come on. You know it's true, everybody. And I'm sitting here, and I'm doing my best to listen, but I'm unloading the dishwasher. And finally I realize I'm not doing a good job listening. I have no idea what she just said. So I stop. I put the dishes down, and I just look at her like this. And I got, like, the dish towel in one hand, a dish. And I'm just, I'm just waiting. I'm like, I don't want to miss what you're saying. What, what are you saying? I'm just listening. And she looks at me, she's like, well, you can keep doing the dishes while you're listening to me. No, I can't. It just don't work that way in this body, okay? It doesn't. And so she realized at that time, you know, that if she wants to talk, and some days now, we've been married 16 years, some days she'll come home and Heather will just say to me, I just want the appearance that you're listening. You can keep working, you know? All right, fair enough. We compromised. It's good. It works. That was not Ezekiel's case with God, Okay? This was like, he's full attention, and he's listening to whatever it is. And this is what God was saying to him. He says, now that I've got your attention, listen to me. I've got something I want to say to you, so put on your listening ears. I don't want you to miss this. What did he say to him? Number three, go up. Okay, so first stand up, second listen up, third, go up. Ezekiel 2, 3 reads this. He said to me, son of man or son of dust, I am sending you to the Israelites. Say, what? What does that mean? He's sending me to the Israelites. You see, he's a prophet. He's going, I don't know that I can do this, Lord. I don't know. I don't know that I can do it. God was saying, Ezekiel, the task I have for you requires you to take action. You're going to have to go up. Have you ever noticed that two-thirds of God's name is go? Real simple. Okay. See, there's always an action step or an action component to a call of God. And I hate to break it to you. There's not just a call of God on pastors and ministers. There's a call of God on every single one of you. And there's a call to go up. There's a call to do something. For Ezekiel, it was go to the Israelites. I don't know what it is for everyone here. But rarely can we stay where we are, do what we've always been doing, and fulfill the call of God upon our lives. That's really tough to do. God gets us uncomfortable. You think Ezekiel was like, yes, I'm a prophet. I'm probably going to get killed for what I'm about to say to the Israelites. Yay, thank you, Lord. 
Oh, it doesn't end up that way. God gets us out of our comfort zone to do something so that he gets the glory and not us. That's what he wants, and that's how he was utilizing Ezekiel. Number four is this. Speak up. Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. I'm sending you to them, and you must say to them, this is what the Lord God says, whether they listen, check this out, whether they listen or refuse, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them, but you, son of man or son of dust, do not what? Do not be afraid of them or their words. You see, God's saying, I've got a message for my people. You will communicate that message. Okay, we're working on application here. I hope you can see it. All right? You with me? Okay? We have a message for people. We are the ones that are responsible to communicate it. In fact, actually, if we want to get down and dirty, in Ephesians 4, it says the work of the pastor is to encourage the congregation, to encourage the people to share that message. It actually doesn't say it's the pastor's job. It says to encourage his people to share that message. I'll share it with you, but we're all to go, not just the pastor. It's not our message, though. Whose message is it? It's his message. It's a message of grace. It's a message of life. It's a message of eternity. Our job is what? Same as Ezekiel. It's to deliver the message, whether they listen or not, or whether we're afraid or not, it doesn't matter. Here's the deal. I want you to catch this right now. God's truth is not dependent on human response. God's truth is not dependent upon human response. God would not judge Ezekiel for how well others responded to his message but for how faithful he was in presenting it. Let's bring that home a little bit. God will not judge us for how well others respond to his message, but for how we are faithful in presenting that message. See, Ezekiel was the spokesperson for God. He was his very mouthpiece. And so God appointed him. You read on the next couple chapters in Ezekiel, and it's a crazy, crazy book to read. He calls him in Ezekiel chapter 317, he says he's a watchman over the house of Israel. He's a watchman. What does that mean? It means he was a spiritual watchman to warn the people of coming judgment. He wanted to make sure that they didn't miss the boat, that they understand who this God was. And sometimes, let's face it, the God of the Old Testament, he takes some, you know, he gets hit pretty hard because we see him sometimes as an evil God. But really, here he is warning the people of Israel just as we've looked at the last couple of weeks, he wants relationship with them. He wants covenant with them. He wants them. He loves them. He wants to be with them. The last one, number five, is this. Open up. Open up. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 8, and it's actually repeated in Ezekiel 3. It says this. Open your mouth and eat what I am giving you. So I opened my mouth and he fed me the scroll. Now that might not make a lot of sense to us, but here's what that really means. You see, for Ezekiel to be strong, he had to feed on the nourishment of God's Word. Okay, I want you to catch this. We missed everything else. Here's the most important part today. We're talking about being committed to Jesus, and that Jesus wants us to be committed to Him. Here's the most interesting thing that I find in this Scripture. Ezekiel is what? What's his title? What's his office? He's a what? He's a prophet. If you think of like the people of God and the offices of God, who would you say are the closest to hearing God's voice? I would say a prophet. And yet right here, it's interesting that here's this prophet, Ezekiel, who God spoke to in visions, was still implored to read Scripture. He was still implored to go back to his word and go, okay, 
Ezekiel, I just gave you some crazy looking stuff with these wheels, with eyes on it, these four living creatures with four different faces. But he says, I want you to go back to the Bible. Here's what's really cool for those of you that like this kind of stuff and you like looking at what's known as eschatology or the study of when Jesus returns. If you go to Revelation, it actually talks about those four creatures in the book of Revelation. It's full circle from Old Testament to New Testament. Very cool. Why is it? Why is the Word of God so important even though God speaks to us? I've said this before. It's not that we always need to hear a voice. It's sometimes that we need a verse. God wants to give us that verse. And so the Word of God, the Bible, it's life giving to us. So what's our response? I'm going to invite our worship team up. What's our response? What do we do? What do we do? What do we, you know, we might go, well, I'm I'm still caught up on those funky wheels, man. How does that look? How many have Googled that already to see what it looks like? Anybody? A few. Yeah. All right. There's some cool pictures of what it actually looks like. But what does our response need to be? How does it apply to us? Well, I'll be first to tell you, I'm not a prophet, okay? I'm not, I'm not going to the mission field. And you might say to yourself, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. You know, I don't want to be a pastor, so what's the point? What's the point? Well, here's the story of your life. I know they're setting up. Just, just stay with me for a moment. You are on a mission from God. Just as Ezekiel was. Things haven't changed 2,700 years, 2,300 years later. You're on a mission from God. God is calling you. God's calls are not exclusive to pastors. They're not exclusive to missionaries. You ready for this? He calls plumbers. He calls managers. Okay, for that matter, he calls some to be electricians, entertainers, doctors, lawyers, teachers, chemists, salespeople, housewives. A calling is not something reserved for those going into full-time Christian service. That's not why he does it. You see, Ezekiel was obedient. He was committed to the call of God upon his life. So let me ask you this morning. Are you obedient to the call of God upon your life? Are you obedient to that call? Can I, can I pick on Michael for a second? Can I pick on you? Is that okay? All right, good. I'm glad he said yes. Otherwise, that would have stunk. All right. Michael here felt a call on his life. Michael has been a part of 513.3, recently got married, had a beautiful young baby boy who's here that my wife held, so pray for us. Um, but Michael thought, you know what? I need to go back. I need to, I need to do what, you know, the world does. And so he went back and he went into the corporate world for a while. And God spoke to him and said, no, you're called to, to go to these prisons. You're called to be a part of this ministry. You're part of this. That's what you're to do. And Michael, I would say it was a huge leap of faith. Would you agree? It was a huge leap of faith. And yet God's blessed them mightily. Okay? God wants to do it no matter where you're at. It doesn't have to be going to prisons. It doesn't have to be starting a church. It can be within your context right now. And it is. God's always speaking. We're just not always listening. You've heard me say that. Ezekiel was obedient. Are you obedient? You see, God can turn your vocation or your career into a calling. And sometimes an end of a career is a calling, just as it is in in Michael's life. At other times, God chooses to take people out of the security of their careers and call them into a Christian ministry. Since everyone has a calling, what is your mission from God? What is it? What is it? Is God trying to break through to you? Is He waking 
you up? Is he trying to talk to you about a specific thing or a specific detail? Do you need to be like Ezekiel and humble yourself before him to listen to what it is? Or maybe you've heard from God. Maybe you know the call of God on your life, but you fail to put it into action because you're afraid. Do you need to get serious about what God's wake-up call is for you? Would you stand to your feet this morning? Let's pray. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.